Okay, well, I feel like we're on the precipice of something new, hence the message, a new season, all right? So if you'll join with me on this journey here this morning, I feel like the Israelites are on the brink of the Jordan, and they have a decision to make. Are we going to cross the Jordan by faith and move over into what God has for us, or are we going to continue to do things the way we've always done things and walk around this desert for another 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 more years, right? It's, it's, if we were to make this personal, how many of us get tired of waking up and seeing a fat person in the mirror? Right? And when it comes down to the uh, December, uh, New Year's Eve, you say, I'm tired of that. I'm making a change. Right? Now listen, this is, I'm talking to myself because, you know, this was me. This is who I am. I want to tell you something. Unless you change your life, change ways that you do things, you're going to continue to get the same thing you always got. You can want to, desire to, all you want, but until you put the pedal to the metal, nothing's changing. So we've got to be able to say, hey, look, I don't want that anymore. Well, what do you want? I want this. So in order to get this, I can't keep doing the same thing I've been doing and get something different. I've got to make a change. Okay? Some of you are going, uh-oh, where's he going? Well, we'll find out here. In this, uh, we're just going to use one scripture this morning, Matthew 9, 17. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Right? We don't want any more old winers. Hey, you can thank Leon for that. I like that. We, we don't want new winers either. We want new wine. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. You've got to understand back then they put, wine, they put grape juice into wine skins and as it fermented, it would cause those skins to stretch. If there was no stretch in those skins, the skins would burst and not only would they ruin their skins, but they would lose all the wine. We don't want to do that, right? But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Just to remind you, uh, the, the desire, what we feel like is happening is Jesus is bringing new wine into the church. And let me just be more specific, new wine into this church. This new wine is not something new as in the sense of never been seen before. When God begins to move, what we're talking about is a move of God. Now, how that move is going to present itself is always different, right? If we keep looking for what happened in the past, we might miss what God is doing now. If you're looking for Elijah, you might miss Jesus because your picture of what God is going to be doing is, is a picture of an Old Testament prophet, and God is coming as a New Testament son. Okay? So in order to embrace this moving of the Spirit, we can't hold on to the rigid mindsets and traditional ways of thinking and doing things that we've been accustomed to. We must be moldable and stretchable to embrace the move of God. And we've kind of used it in this sense. Uh, You've got to be able to change your clothes, change your coat according to the season that God says is coming, right? Well, when I see the season coming, then I'll change my coat. No, you change your coat if you want to see the change in the season. That's the way it works biblically, right? May not work that way in the natural, but that's the way it works 
biblically. We're not talking about changing the essence of who we are, but changing the manifestation of who we are to keep up with what God is doing. In faith, we must change in order to facilitate and see the manifestation of that which God has promised. Now, so far we've looked at the importance of the spiritual, what the Spirit is emphasizing, the assessment of the Spirit, the sustenance of the Spirit, what the, the Spirit's objective, and today I want to continue the, using that word season by looking at that letter M and looking at the subject of the Spirit's name. And you say that with me, the Spirit's name. We're going to use as a text for this message, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I feel like I'm having to struggle a little bit, Marty. Is there any way you can give me just a little bit more modern? Now, how many of you know that the name of our church is Shady Oaks Church, right? Some of y'all are going, oops, I went to the wrong church this morning. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was Emmanuel Baptist Church. No, you're in the wrong church. This is Shady Oaks Church. The name Shady Oaks came from the community in which we're planted. I know you may not realize that, but there used to be a community of homes around here, and the community was called Shady Oaks. Well, you see, we live on a, we live on a place that's really mostly businesses now, but back then it was probably slated to be community. Shady Oaks, and the name Shady Oaks, was about identifying with what was then the small but growing neighborhood that we were located in. And it's a great name for a church. It describes our identity by putting forth who we are and what we've been about. In essence, we can see from these passages, the one that we just read, that Shady Oaks is emphasizing the transformation of the individual and the development of that person into the fruitful person he designed them to be. Right? He shall be like a tree, Psalms 1, planted by the rivers of water, and it's going to grow, and he shall bring forth his fruit this season, his leaf shall not wither, and whatever he doeth shall prosper. Now, that actually, also that, that, that uh, uh, idea of a tree was in our passage we just read in Isaiah 61. Uh, what we, not, might, we may not realize is that in the book of Isaiah, from where our name came from, there's another verse that follows it. Isaiah 61 verse 4 says, They, who's they? Those that used to be brokenhearted, those that used to be captives, those that used to mourn, they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. Did you know that that's God's vision for his church? That broken people would be healed and then those healed people would go out into the highways and the byways and not just bring people into the church but actually restore this world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Unfortunately, what we've done is we've flipped things around and we've made heaven our assignment instead of the world. Heaven is our destination, not our assignment. If we handle our assignment correctly, we'll end up in heaven. 
But if we don't get about doing our assignment, heaven is if, it's iffy. <laughs> oh, wait. Let me, let me move on. That's not the subject for the day. What those oaks of righteousness are destined to do is to build up the ancient ruins, to repair the ancient cities and the devastations of many generations. In this passage, the context would be the land of Israel. In the new covenant, God wants us as a church, as a people, to expand our vision. Can you say with me, to expand my vision to more than just the community in front of us. He wants us to have a vision for the world. To do so, we must have God's heart for expansion. God is not about just keeping the status quo. God is about expansion. You say, how do you know that? Because back in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, he said to, to Adam, be fruitful and multiply and fill the garden. Is that what he said? No, he said fill the earth. Right? He's into expansion. In the book of Jabez, what did God bless Jabez? Why did God bless Jabez? Because he said, extend the borders of my tents. Jabez found the heart of God when he began to pray that prayer, God is into expansion. He wants us to have a vision for the world, and to do so, we must have his heart. And that's where the teaching we did last time, the last time we met two weeks ago on the Antioch Church comes in. Because I believe that the objective to which the Holy Spirit is leading us towards, the aim to which he is bringing to pass in us, is that we would become a church akin to what was taking place in Antioch. Like Antioch, inwardly, internally, we're a community like what we came out of in Jerusalem, but externally, we become like Antioch. We're to be an operational hub, that is, we're called to be a center that radiates outward. We're used to being, a church is used to being a center that brings people in. We still want to bring people in, but we don't want them to stay in. We want them to come in, get trained, so they can go out. The vision is to send them out. The vision is to send you out. Well, I don't like that vision. Well, this is where we're going. Remember that membership class we do? The reason we do the membership class is to tell you this is where the bus is going. You don't get to decide where the bus is going. God tells us where the bus is going. You get to decide whether you want to get on the bus. God, listen, God said your destination to the Israelites is the promised land, Canaan. You don't get to decide what land I'm giving you. I'm giving you the land of Canaan. You don't get to decide what the land looks like. I'm deciding for you what the land looks like. Your decision is, do you want to go and follow me into that plan? Well, that's not very democratic. I don't know if you know this, but God's not a democratic God. He's creator, we're creation. Right? He runs, somebody said it this way, he leads, I follow. Right? Now, because I believe that the objective it's, is uh to which the Holy Spirit is leading us towards the aim which is bringing to pass uh, um, that we, uh, because, let me say this again I believe that the objective to which the Holy Spirit is leading us towards the aim that he's bringing us to pass to recap is that we're supposed to be an operational hub that is we're called to be a center that radiates alright so um, we're called to be a church that trains men women and youth for ministries that are inside and outside the church. 
We want to send people into uh, uh, government. Oh, no, we're not supposed to be involved in government. Well, well that's why government's in the situation is right now, because God's people aren't involved in government. We need God's people, kingdom-minded people, to go into the educational system, right? We, why is the educational system the way it is right now? It's not that we don't have Christian teachers in there. It's a lot of times we don't realize that we're supposed to actually influence the educational system. We just kind of ride the educational system instead of influencing the educational system. We're leavened that God is planning into the world, and we're supposed to change what's happening. Whether it's, uh, and we don't just have to change what's happening. Just naturally, we can change what's happening supernaturally by praying, by believing, by, by, by doing the supernatural supernatural in situations that God has called us to. You might say, well, how do I do the supernatural in business? Well, God gives you supernatural ideas to prosper your business. It's not just, hey, man, I read this in a book. You might read it in a book. There's nothing wrong with that. But all of a sudden, you wake up one day and you have a vision. And in this vision, God shows you something that you can do to prosper, not only you, but the business you work for. Reminds me of a guy, I forgot what his name, Matthews, I think was his name. Matthews uh, invented a bow. And I don't know if you know this, very successful bow. I'm not a bow hunter, but I'm told it's a very good bow, very successful bow. But Matthews actually had a vision in the middle of the night. He woke up and he said, he woke up his wife and he said, hey, hey, write something down. He said, why? I think I'm having one of them their visions. And God showed him how to make a better bow. And he made that better bow and he began to manufacture that and he became a great blessing to the kingdom of God. Right? And so I just want to tell you something. We're not just sending people out into the world. We want to go into the world to preach the gospel. But you can preach the gospel in the business world. You can preach the gospel in the media. You can preach. The, how many of you know there are people that are going into the media right now into entertainment? Let's just say it that way. Uh, like uh, 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 Cavell, the guy that played Jesus. What was his name? Um, Caviezel, is that his name? Um, the, the Passion of the Christ. He's doing a lot of good movies. A lot of these actors that were very famous are now doing the Christian movies. and It's impacting people. Yes. We need to take these things back. I'm tired of the, the, the entertainment ministry spreading a, 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 a worldly idea and worldly ways of looking. We need people to go out on the YouTube and begin to do stuff on YouTube to bring the kingdom of God to the masses. He said, well, I didn't know I could do that. You'd be surprised what you can do when you get hooked up with a God that can do anything. We're called to be a church that strengthens existing churches and establishes new churches. You might say that Jerusalem is where we started, but it's not our goal. Antioch is our goal. Antioch is where we're going. Jerusalem was about bringing people into the church. Antioch is about sending them out of church into all the world. Antioch is where Paul and Barnabas got called by the Holy Spirit to, to do the work that God had called them to do. And the church gathered around them, prayed over them, and sent them out. I was working on a message. You know, they were very vital to the leadership of the church. They were vital to the workings of the church. But they didn't have a problem letting them go and sowing them into the world. And that's what we have to learn. We have to learn how to be sowers. We have to learn how to be givers. And it's amazing when you give, God will give back to you. Uh, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We use that scripture just with money, but it's not just about money. It has to do with people. It has to do with everything. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. And the measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go at, therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
Yes. And then in all Judea, and then in Samaria, and the end of the earth. I think it was yesterday or the day before I was walking on the track, and I began to smell uh, uh, the dew, and I began to smell the ground. I was on a, on a, on a track. It wasn't paved. Uh, it was a dirt track, and it reminded me of Africa. It reminded me when I was in Bolivia, and I just knew I was going to get to do that again. I'm hungry to do that again. Well, why have you stopped doing that? Well, that's where the healing comes in, right? And so, look, I'm not saying that, that I'm going to go there on my own without you. I hope to lead us all there to be able to take part in spreading the gospel, being a sending church where we have a vision more than just for this building. We have a vision for this community. We have a vision for the world, and we get to do missions trips. I was prophesied over one time that you're going to go back to the mission field, and you're going to take teams with you. We have invitations to go a lot of different places, and I want to take advantage of that so that our hearts can broaden and our hearts can grow. And it's amazing when your heart grows, your pocketbook does too. Isn't that what Doug did when that kid came up? What do you do? Let me give you what I got. When you start to have a love for other people, a love for other cultures, then all of a sudden your pocketbook begins to grow. You begin to open up. You begin to grow. And then God has not only a way to get stuff to them, but he has a way to get stuff to you so that you can give it to them. God's desire is that the trees, remember our, church, our name is Shady Oaks, rooted in him, begin to move out and repair and transform the world around them. I believe we can all agree on this. Now, an oak is a tree with deep roots. On one plane, it's a great metaphor for a Christian. On another plane, if we were really honest, oaks don't move. They are planted. They will grow, live, and die in one place, or if they live in Lake Jackson, they're going to be mowed down by a bulldozer. Uh, I, when they put that new school in over there on 2004, it was like the most beautiful oaks. There was like 20, 30 of them all just mowed down by a bulldozer. But if that bulldozer wasn't there, they were going to stay there. And as long as they had an opportunity to grow, they were going to keep growing in that one place. So while the metaphor continues to be relevant for us as a people, I believe God wants to emphasize in the next season something new. A new identity. After all, it is a new season. Did you see what I did there? Do you remember the teaching that we did on the power of a name? Biblically, names are more than just a designation. They have meaning. Names are a way of assessing things, and they can define who we are. In naming the animals, Adam was not just saying, hey, this is what I'm going to call you by. He was actually identifying their behavior and their nature and expressing it and also defining it through the names that he gave them. God, who is, by the way, Adam's creator, from where Adam learned how to do these things, is also into names. However, with God... What he designated, designates or assesses may not always be what you presently see. Because God is not limited to the present. God oftentimes can see who you are before you've ever gotten there. He can see what is put inside of you as a seed 
that may not have developed yet because it hasn't been nurtured, it hasn't been watered, it hasn't grown. And so God may call you this, and you may, you may be like, that ain't me. Well, it wasn't you a minute before God called it, but as soon as God called it, what you find is if you'll embrace it, it is you. When we get saved, we are sinners. As soon as we call out on the Lord, we become children of God. We may not see anything different at that moment, but from the moment that you embrace and call upon the Lord, you receive a new identity. You are a child, you are a son and daughter of the living God. And so it's not now about becoming a child. You are a child of God. It's about how do I live in conformity to what God has said that I am. See, the Christian life isn't about attaining. It's about God planting and then that scroll or that seed that he's planted in our life, allowing it to grow and to unfurl to reveal what God has done in us. What God saw that instructed the seer Samuel when he looked at David was not the same thing that what God saw is what we see in that text. Because uh, when Samuel came to Jesse's house, uh, um, God said, I have a king there that I want you to anoint to be the next king of Israel. What Samuel knew was the first king they had was a guy named Saul. When you looked at Saul, he looked like a king. He was tall. He was bigger than everybody else. He was badder than everybody else. He was just, he was like what your definition of what a king would be. So when he goes to Jesse's house, there are seven sons of Jesse that are paraded before them. And he sees the first one. He said, now that looks like a king. And God said, no, that ain't my king. And every child, every son that was brought of Jesse before him, it's kind of like God said, you're looking on the outside. But see, I don't look on the outside. And I don't look to only where they're at right now because you see David who would become the next king of Israel, God saw something in him that nobody else saw. What everybody else saw was a, uh, um, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was born in iniquity. He was rejected by his family. He was probably the runt of the litter. He was not desired of by anyone in his home and so he's put out to do the task of the menial slaves. Because it was not a glorifying job to take care of sheep. And in fact, Jesse, who was a man of wealth, none of his sons would have been in charge of check, taking care of sheep. They had money. They would have hired somebody to do that. But that's what they thought about David. And so when God said, that's the king, I would imagine Jesse was biting his lip. But you see, God told Samuel, God doesn't see, I don't see the way men see you look at the outward, but I look at the heart. And what he may be seeing is not what presently is manifesting. And so he was called and anointed and designated. See that word designated? He was named the next king of Israel. And he didn't become the next king of Israel right away, but that king was already on him and in him. So he had to embrace that so that he could become that. Am I making sense to you? Okay, Samuel saw a small shepherd boy. God saw someone who had the heart of a king. I believe a name gives you identity. When God wanted to do something new, he changed the name of Abram, who means exalted father, to Abraham, 
which means father of a multitude before he ever had a multitude. He had to go around and tell everybody, I'm the father of a multitude before he had a child. Now that doesn't make sense to us, but apparently in God's economy, it works just the way he wants it to work. If Abram didn't change his name, I could probably make a case that he wouldn't have had a child. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, let me have a child first, then I'll change my name. And God said, no, Abram, change your name, and that will facilitate your child. Jacob, whose name means heel grabber and deceiver, his name was now changed to Israel, one who wrestles with God and overcomes. I believe God is wanting to emphasize and birth something new in us as a body of believers as well. I believe that in doing so, He wants us to move with Him into the new reality by embracing that which He is speaking over us. Now let me preface this by saying, remember, and I really believe that we're on the forefront of something new and something great that God wants to do in us. But I believe the picture that he gave me was we're on the Jordan. And if we want what God has for us, we've got to embrace what he is saying over us so that we can experience his future for us. But it's our choice. It's whether we believe or not. It's whether we want it or not. Right? Years ago, I believe the Lord spoke to me and told me, what he calls us. At that time, I didn't have a full grasp of what this meant, and consequently, as a church, we didn't have the foundation needed to embrace it. Let me just say it this way. I did a poor job of presenting what I felt like the Lord wanted to do within us. You see, I'm the kind of guy, if God says something, I'm going to go do it. I'm not a, a great man of faith, but I try to do it. If I know it's God, I'm going to try to do it. And I don't always do things uh, the way I need to do things in the role that I have as a leader of people. You see, Moses, when he was leading the people, and I'm not Moses, but I'm just saying when he was leading the people, he had to be mindful of the people that were coming in the back as much as the ones that were going in the front. And me, I don't care about the people that are coming behind me. I'm just going. <laughs> but that's not a very good leader. I'm just telling you, it's not a very good life. Thankfully, the Lord's done some work in my life. He's teaching me some things. And I just said, here's what the Lord told me. Here's what we're going to do. And the congregation said, nope, we're not doing it. And that was 10 or 12 years ago. And I didn't plan on doing this, but I felt like the Lord brought us back here. And I believe the Lord is saying, this is what I speak over you. Okay? I believe we've grown as a people. And I believe we've come to understand in these last few weeks, biblically, the power in a name. I believe God is wanting to do something new, and I believe God has prompted me to go back to that name that he spoke in my heart that this is what I call you. What is it? Well, I know that you may consider this very subjective. I believe the Lord is revealing to us that what he speaks over us is the name Bethel. Our name, according to the Lord, is Bethel. And you might say, well, that's not what we call ourselves correct. It's not what we call ourselves. So now we have a choice. Do Like Abram, do I say, Lord, I don't want to be called Abraham. I'm Abram. My 
driver's license says I'm Abram. My camel license says I'm Abram. My tax office knows me as Abram. Well, that may not be a bad thing if I change my name there. Uh, you know, uh, all my bills say my name is Abram. You ever had to move? You know, you got to move, you got to change your credit card, you got to change your driver's license, you got to change your insurance, you got to change your mortgage, you got to change everything. And you can say, I don't want to do that. I like Abram. I want to be Abram. But you don't realize in being Abram, you're going to be unfruitful for the rest of your life. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to Abram. Abram said, I'm tired of being unfruitful. I want to be fruitful. I want to move into the promise that God has for me. If it means that I've got to change my name, then so be it. Call me Abraham. Now, a lot of us old whiners, I didn't give us that name. Who gave us that name? Hopefully, there's nobody in here. Those old whiners are probably not here anymore. We say, Shady Oaks was good enough when we started this church. Shady Oaks is good enough when I came to this church. And Shady Oaks is good enough for us now. It's a good name. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not interested in in having a good name. I'm interested in having the name that God calls us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, well, how do I know that that's the name that God is calling us? Well, you know, you're just going to have to at some point trust me. And maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe the Israelites didn't trust Moses to get him over and have victory. And in not trusting what God was doing through Moses, they weren't trusting the Lord. They said, well, what if I missed it? Well, if I missed it, how much damage is it really going to do? I mean, be honest. If we change our name from Shady Oaks to Bethel and I missed it, is it really going to hurt us and break us? No. But if God said to do this and we don't do it, might that hurt us and break us? Yes. Sometimes we just have to have ways of formulating things so we realize what's going on, okay? In Genesis 28, 12 through 17, the Bible says uh, Jacob dreamed and there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the, to the, abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Where did this take place? Well, that's what we're going to get to. Behold, the Lord said, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And he went on to name that place Bethel. Now what does Bethel mean? See, we don't speak Hebrew. You've got to understand the word Beth means house. The word El is a short name for Elohim from which we get the word God. I believe the Lord Spirit is speaking to us that our identity is no longer to be Shady Oaks. Instead, our identity is to be found in the name that he calls us, and that name is Bethel. What is Bethel? Bethel is the house of God. What does that mean? It's the place where God dwells. So when we call ourselves Bethel, we're going to understand that God is in this place. Not religion is in this place. Not organization is in this place. 
but the spirit of the living God is in this place. What warms my heart more than anything when people come, I like it when they say this is such a friendly church and all, and it fits. It's a very friendly church. No thanks to me, but it is a friendly church. I'm learning how to be friendly because y'all are friendly. That's not my gift. <laughs> but your gift is leaking off on me, so I'm getting better at it, right? What warms my heart is when people come in and say, I feel God in this place. I feel the Spirit of God in this place. Well, don't you feel the Spirit of God anywhere they go? No. Because you can have the name of God and no presence of God. We know Christians that call themselves Christians, but God ain't anywhere near them, and they're anywhere, not anywhere near God. We don't just want to have a name, and we want the presence of God. And so when we say our name is Bethel, again, it's about our identity. Who are we? We are the people in whom God dwells. Right? But Bethel is more than that. Bethel is also the gate of heaven. It's the pathway, the door, the portal from heaven to earth. What does that mean? I believe that God's desire is not to open a door just so that people can go to heaven. I believe in that. I'm not against that. But I believe God's desire is to get heaven in his people so that heaven can leave heaven and begin to infiltrate the world. He didn't say, bring everybody to the church so I can get them on an elevator and get them to heaven. He said, Father, don't take them out of this world. Keep them from the world, but don't take them out of this world. As I was sent into this world, I send them into the world. And what are we supposed to do? Go into all the world, and you have a little motto over there. It's almost like everything worked together. I didn't plan all this. It's really not just kind of Lord, just kind of working through it. What, who are we? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we kind of say it this way. We think this way in our mind. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in this church, in this building as it is in heaven. Now, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth earth as it is as it is in heaven but see first God has to get the, God has to get the kingdom in you so that he can get the kingdom out of you Amen. wherever you go if you're living in the right relationship with God the presence of God goes with you you individually and corporately are the house of God we are the temple we are the house of the living God and everywhere you go, the Spirit of God goes with you. So everywhere you go, whether it's at home, whether your job, whether your hobby, wherever it is that you go, God has an open door to have His way around us. And what kind of God is He? He's a God that loves to heal, restore, deliver, set people free. He's into making things better. I truly believe that this is the name that God is calling us as a body of believers. I can't prove it. It is subjective. It is my relationship with the Lord. It is what I feel like God has spoken to me. And some of you may not believe it. Some of you may not receive it. That's okay. That's not really the point. My point is, I believe as the leader, as the appointed person in this place, that God is calling us Bethel. 
I have come, and I hope you've come to see that the name that we choose over us, the name that we speak over us, embraces the purpose that God has in store for us, and what God is speaking to us actually maps out his future for our lives. Abraham, father of a multitude, why call an old man dead in his body the father of a multitude? Because it's mapping out his future, not his present. Remember that Jesus taught us in one of the messages I preached to ask for tomorrow's bread. I believe that a vital part of prayer is declaration. It is speaking to the atmosphere that which God says, not which presently exists. Do you remember when Leon was here, he said, if it was me, this is what I would do. If you need a guitar player, I began to prophesy to that guitar, and I would say there's a new guitar player coming, and he's going to be uh, filling that space. He said, I'm not, I'm not lamenting or woeful that there is not a guitar player. I'm just prophesying there will be a guitar player. And he said, I'd go through this place, and I began to pray for every seat, and I would begin to prophesy this seat's going to be filled. This person is going to have someone that was healed from blindness. This person is going to have someone that was delivered from alcohol. This person is going to... See, we don't live by what is present. We live by God's future. And see, if I, was, if I was doing things the way the world does things, then I would call myself by what I see. When I first got saved, I would have called myself rejected. I would have called myself broken. I would have called myself lame. I would have called myself fearful. I would have called myself discouraged. I would have called myself no hope, no future. I would have called myself alone. But thank God, God doesn't operate that way. God calls things that are not as though they are. You're my child. You're, you're, my, you're redeemed of the Lord. You are uh, God's uh, uh, destiny is, is evident and will become uh, uh, manifest in your life. You will be a healer because the healer lives in you. You'll be a restorer because the restorer lives in you. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be whole. Why? Because he doesn't prophesy your present. He prophesies his future. Matthew, Mark 11, 22-24, Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in God. A better way of translating that is have God-like faith. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Did you notice that the context here is prayer? But did you know that part of prayer is declaration? Petition is part of prayer, but declaration is part of prayer. This is what the Lord spoke to my heart, and this is what I'm going to begin to declare. I am the God that healed. I began to hear that song, and so I began to go around and say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not stupid. My back still hurts. I know it hurts, but I'm not declaring my present. I'm declaring my future. You see, you're supposed to speak to the mountain. You're not supposed to deny the mountain. You're not supposed to live with the mountain. You're not supposed to ignore the mountain. You're supposed to look at the mountain and move the mountain. And how do you move the mountain? By declaring the word of the Lord over the mountain. And what is the word of the Lord? Whatever he's speaking to your heart, that is your prophetic destiny. 
when somebody comes up for prayer, let's say they can't have a child, somebody comes up for prayer and they want a child desperately, you don't call them barren. You don't prophesy that they're barren. What do you begin to prophesy? That they're going to have children. That God's going to move supernaturally in their life and you begin to declare their future, not their present. Is this, this is not hard, right? Hopefully you're getting what I'm saying. Abraham changing his, Abram changing his name to Abraham was vital to the prophecies of manifesting the promises of God. I don't have it in there, but I don't know if you know this, but Sarai's present name was contentious. That's what her name Sarai meant, contentious. I'm pretty sure Abraham was glad that he changed her name from contentious to princess. Probably stepped in it there. All right. It's biblical. Similarly, the act of believing God, embracing the identity that God is wanting to bring forth in us is demonstrated by coming into agreement with who he says we are before we experience it. This is the word of faith which we preach. What is the word of faith? I say what God is saying. The word profession and confession is to say what God is saying. When I come into agreement with what God is saying and believe it in my heart, then I will begin to experience what God has already provided for. Who does God said we are? What is he wanting to do in us? It's reflected in the name he's calling us. And I believe he says that our name is Bethel. If God says our name is Bethel, then by faith, I want us to come into agreement with God and to start calling ourselves Bethel. Now you may say, you can't unilaterally do that. You're right, I can't. We're going to have to agree upon it. We're going to have to vote on it. We're going to have to because that's the way our charter is. That's the way the Constitution and bylaws is. That's the way we've got to do it that way. And so we can reject it. Absolutely, you can reject it. No problem. You can do whatever you want. But all I'm trying to lay out for you is I believe the Spirit of God is leading us this way. And I very strongly urge you and beseech you to hear the voice of the Lord speaking and to come into agreement with who God says we are and then let's do what we got to do to embrace who God says we are so we can walk out what God says we are so that we can fulfill the purpose and the, uh, the, purpose and the destiny that He has in store for us. Abram was given his name by his earthly father. Abraham was the name given to him by his heavenly father. Jacob was the name given to him by his earthly father. Israel was the name given to him by his heavenly father. Shady Oaks is about identifying with a local community. Bethel is identifying with God to impact the community. Shady Oaks is about what God is doing in us. Bethel is about what God in us wants to do through us. Shady Oaks comes from the world around us. Bethel comes from another world. That was pretty good. You say, somebody will say, you're trying to become like somebody else. No, I'm not. I promise you. I'm trying to become what God says we are. I have no intention of forming and becoming what anybody else is. I just want to follow God. So what is it going to look like? I don't know. I'm not that smart. It's kind of like he gives you one thing to do, and then when you do it, then he gives you something else to do. 
He didn't tell Cornelius what he was going to do when he said, send for Peter. Cornelius just did what God told him to do. He didn't tell him, ah, Peter's having a vision right now at this moment, and when you uh, send people over there, and then I'm going to work everything out, where just at the right time that you get there, Peter's going to do this, and they're going to come back, and it's going to be, he didn't know any of that. He just had an angel come and said, send, send, send to Joppa and go get Peter. And then when he did that, God did what he needed to do. And other things began to unfurl. And it's amazing that in that one little act of obedience, the Spirit of God was not only poured out on Cornelius, it was poured out on his family, it was poured out on his friends, it was poured out on the, on the city, and it was poured out on the Gentiles, which is the, then there the extent of the world. All he had to do was to obey God. He didn't know everything that was going to happen. He just obeyed God. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know everything that's going to happen. I just know this is what I believe God is saying, and I want to obey Him. And I'm asking you to please follow me into this. In this series, to conclude, we sought to bring out the idea that Jesus is bringing new wine into the church. This new wine is not something new, is in the sense of never been seen before, but is a moving of His Spirit in and among us. In order to embrace this moving of the Spirit of God, we can't hold on to the rigid mindsets and traditional ways of thinking. We must be moldable and stretchable to embrace the new wine he is pouring out. We're not talking about changing the essence of who we are, but changing the manifestation of who we are to keep up with what God is wanting to do in us. In other words, I see the cloud moving, and I want to get under the cloud to accomplish what he wants to do. I can see the cloud moving and stay where I'm at and be safe. But I'm not into being safe. I hope you've noticed that in the last few years. I'm not into being safe. I'm into doing the will of God. And doing the will of God requires faith. And faith is spelled R-I-S-K. you got to take risks if you want to keep in step with God. Because God will just tell you, Peter said, God, if this is you, command me to come out the water. How many of us would say that? We would probably pray that, but never expecting Jesus to say, come. And then when he says, come, we're like, uh, I wish I hadn't prayed that prayer. Uh, I think I'll stay right here in the boat, please. Well, he started sinking when he got on the water, but he always will remember that he walked on the water. And we get to see Peter when we read the book walking on the water because he was willing to believe and to risk when God said, come. I want to see signs, wonders, miracles. I want to see people saved, healed, delivered, set free. I want to see families come to God. I want to see our city embracing the kingdom of God. I want to see God's presence and power not just impact you as a people, but impact the community, impact the city, impact this region. I want to see the presence of God hovering in our midst. I want God to get glorified because when he was allowed to move by this people, the, the, the presence of God began to impact uh, an incredible, uh, not just the present generation, but the generation to come. We owe this next generation a move of God. But how can you have a move of God if we're not willing to move? That was pretty good too. Well, I don't know the specifics of how he's going to bring about that which he's leading us toward. I've learned enough to take the steps he's presently revealing and by faith press forward into his promises.
The Bible says, the steps of a righteous man are guided of the Lord. You take a step, and he guides your steps. I believe the new season coming is reflected in the new name that God is calling us. I also believe that part of manifesting the new wine in our lives is to embrace the new wineskin. You have to have the new wineskin before you get the wine. Specifically for us, it begins by faith, embracing the name he's speaking over us. It begins by identifying with what he is speaking over our lives. I believe he's speaking to us that our name is Bethel. So for us, it begins by calling ourselves Bethel. Who are we? Bethel. Bethel is who we are. We are the house of God. We are the place where God dwells. We are the gate of heaven. We are the portal where God impacts the earth.